Welcome to Curb the Binge, the podcast. I'm your host, Katya Slavinskaya. And today I want to talk about three ways, three steps to working with the shadow, aka the parts of yourself that you hate or don't accept are actually trying to give you an amazing life. So what is shadow work? What is this statement, this idea? Well, Carl Jung, the psychologist, talked about the shadow a lot. And I want to just quote him. He says, A man who is unconscious of himself acts in a blind, instinctive way and is, in addition, fooled by all the illusions that arise when he sees everything that he is not conscious of in himself coming to meet him from outside as projections upon his neighbor. In other words, those things that we don't accept about ourselves, we're going to judge them in others. Another quote from him is, one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. So what are we talking about here? When we talk about the shadow, we're talking really not about some bad, evil parts of ourselves. We're just talking about the parts of ourselves that we don't want to accept, that we don't want to integrate into who we are, because when they come out, they seem to be so contrary to how we actually want to live life. But here's the thing. The thing is that if we completely repress them, anything that we push away is going to come out in a with a destructive effect. So here's what I'm talking about. An example of this is I had April Lyons on my show um, a couple months ago, and she's a licensed psychotherapist. Uh, the, the show was called Eat What You Want When You Want It. And her basis, she works with women, people with binge eating disorder often, um, and her, the basis of her philosophy is that binging comes from, uh, uh what's the word? De deprivation. Binging is actually a result of deprivation. So this is basically a, a very kind of, um, obvious illustration of this, what happens with the shadow if we constantly just try to, if we just try to imagine that that part of us that's hungry isn't there, if we try to discipline this part of ourselves with a very strict kind of militaristic style, then uh, what seems natural to me is that it will kind of come back with a vengeance. It will come back with a rebellion against us and it'll say, you know what? If you can't listen to what my needs are, then I am going to undermine you. And so the important pieces to tease out there are that this part of you has needs, this part of us has needs, and that if those needs aren't attended to, then the manifestation becomes this kind of inner saboteur, um, this inner sabotage, something that seems to, a force that seems to come up and destroy everything we're trying to build. 
Now, in um, in the mythology, right? In in, a, in mythology of just around the world, this is a really common kind of archetype. It's something that we see over and over again. Is the idea of you know the villain or the enemy? The hero is going about on their journey, and they have a quest, and the um, the the villain comes and seemingly undermines what the hero is trying to build or go for. And sometimes this results in a huge kind of upheaval um, and despair. But what we find is that really the the villain, the enemy, however you want to look at it, this force that seems contentious is actually pointing the hero towards something very important. They're trying to show them, bring to their attention something that they wouldn't have otherwise seen. And ultimately, this um, seeming battle makes the hero, the protagonist, stronger. So yes, what I'm saying right off the bat is that any parts of us, including, right, and embracing our, the, the part of us that wants to binge, that hunger, that part of us has needs. And um, there's even a particular kind of work, it's called Feeding Your Demons, and I'm really hoping to have the, um, the creator of Feeding Your Demons on the show, so look for that soon. Um, but there, there's also a book called Feeding Your Demons that you can order on Amazon or probably wherever books are sold. But the idea, you know, is 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 the same kind of shadow work, teasing out the parts of us that we don't want to accept and really trying to ask, come with coming with an inquisitive nature, what is it that you need? Now, through doing this work, I've found for myself that the answer is always love, that the answer is always that those parts in some way or another need some kind of love. So even before you get the book, even before you do any of that work, we can start by taking some steps to actually love these parts of ourselves. That's why I loved so much that podcast with April Lyons, because she was really getting at this point that until we love that part of ourselves that we think is trying to sabotage us until we welcome it and invite it back home into the whole constellation of our being until we actually can include it and say, you know what? You're a part of me too. And you're welcome here. You have something to offer. I know you do. Until we can do that, that part is going to keep screaming for help and keep trying to undermine us, not because it hates us, but because it's calling for our attention and it's saying, hey, you can't take the next step forward. You can't make progress in your life until you integrate this piece, until you actually listen to what I'm trying to say and hear this message, which it takes to get quiet to hear because it's probably a very fearful part of yourself. You know, these parts usually are. They're fearful. They don't think they're going to be accepted. They have a lot of um, a lot of kind of energy that's 
that's holding behind them and they really need to be coaxed and kind of flirted with and invited into back into the space of our whole being. So if you didn't catch that one other piece there that's really important is that the shadow, which again we we determined, we um, we said already that the shadow is just a part of us that we d- we haven't yet accepted. So that part of us has all those parts of us have a gift. They have something to offer us once we are willing to go there. Once we are willing to get so intimate with that part of ourselves and do the practice, the the stillness, the listening that it takes to actually um, sit with it for a little bit and examine it. I have um, children in my life and I uh, often, I frequently think about this idea of discipline and what it takes to, um, to get the kind of behavior instilled in a child that helps everybody, helps, you know, helps the day go better, helps everyone cooperate, that, um, that makes the whole family or community feel smooth and, uh, and in harmony. So this idea of discipline is very important to me. And, um, one thing that I, that I have noticed kind of in my own parenting, and then I, I heard it echoed in another, um, in someone else's work is to connect, you you know, to really discipline a child or, or to help them even if we take out the word discipline, to help them understand their impact, first we must connect to them on a heart level. We must create that connection where they trust us and they start to level with us and feel safe and feel like actually this person who's so much bigger than me is out to... um, is, is, has my best interest in mind, is out to help me. And then from there, the behavior radically changes. What I'm introducing here is that the same is true of our shadow parts. If we come to them just wagging a finger and saying, this, you know, no, don't do this. This is wrong. This is not how I want to live. This is not the ultimate, um, the ultimate kind of behavior that I want to perpetuate, then something goes askew. There's a part of us that doesn't feel listened to, a part of us that doesn't feel heard or loved, and it's going to come back with a vengeance. And this happens to me still. It happens to me still. When I try to go to that place of, you know, complete um, militaristic discipline, then there's a cropping up of these parts that don't feel integrated and um, kind of inevitably there's a feeling that I'm not whole, that there are different parts of me that are not really, they don't have the same objective, they don't have the same goal in mind 
And that's the feeling that I think kind of tears us apart, is a feeling that we're not really aligned within ourselves. There's some inner conflict. So the idea here is connecting. Can we connect to ourselves, those parts of us that are maybe, you know, feeling like they're not welcome at the table. You can even think of them as these kinds of, uh, you know, kids on the playground that don't feel like they're invited into the, the, the larger group to play. Can we go to those parts, sit down with them, you know, metaphorically, of course, but, but even literally, you know, sitting on some cushions, meditation cushions or some blankets or just sitting on the couch quietly, go inside and without, you know, giving in so much to this need to just run away, to, to cover up that part of ourselves so that we don't see it, can we really go into that pain, the, the pain in our heart or the pain in our solar plexus or the pain in our belly, can we go in there and can we connect before we discipline that part? Can we connect and just say, hey, I'm here to work with you. And I want to, I really deeply want to understand you. But it has to be genuine. There can't be a motive underneath that really what we're trying to do is eradicate it. Just like there can't be a motive underneath that approach to children if, if really what we want is to just modify their behavior. And that's all we want, then they will sense that. And it's the same with these deep underlying shadow parts, these parts that we don't accept. If all we want to do is eradicate them, if we're not really in it for the journey, if we're in it for the destination, then it's not going to work. This is kind of a larger theme, a larger concept in doing internal work in general. It's so easy to want to go to the finish line. But that's not why we're here. If it wasn't for the journey, then we wouldn't ever cultivate or culture ourselves in a way that actually helps us be quality people. So that when we're on the, you know, at the end of our lives on our deathbed or whatever it is, so that we can be happy with the person that we've become. It's not just that we transcended every obstacle and we grew really fast and we made it to the finish line. That is, you know, perhaps a nice but immature illusion of what's possible. Um, but it's that actual facing of obstacles. It's taking the time to be right here on the journey where you are now that will create a sensation of fulfillment in life. And I'm not advocating to just give in to all of your, you know, those lower parts of yourself, or we can call it lower. I don't really like that. It's, you know, the hierarchical piece I'm not so into, but, um, you know, I'm not advocating that we just give in to all of our desires. No, over time, we naturally strengthen. We naturally don't want to do all of our compulsive behaviors anymore. But what I'm advocating or what I'm suggesting and inviting you to do is 
to go in rather than out, to go in to get intimate and to ask, what is this hunger about? What are you trying to tell me? There's a message there. It's a clue. And on the map of life, on the map that details your own hero's journey, that is an essential clue. It's a key, in fact, to helping you to unlock the next step in your life. So don't overlook it. Do embrace all those parts of yourself. And by the way, you know, one thing that I just love about this work, it seems so daunting, but it's so juicy. And one thing I love about it is that it's perfect, it's wonderful for relationships, not just intimate relationships, but friendships, um, friend relationships with family members. And when, when, when I say that, what I mean is, um, you know, my dad, who's an amazing being, really, um, he, uh, and, and one of my biggest teachers in life, he told me when I was really young, he said, you know what, you know, and I was, I'll say I was maybe, you know, 12, 13, I was kind of go, coming into adolescence and I was trying to do all these things to make myself attractive to the opposite sex. And he told me, you know, Katya, all these things that you think are flaws about you, when you find the person, like the person in your life that loves you, truly loves you, they are going to love those things about you even more than the perfections. And you know what? I found that to be absolutely true. And it's the same the other way around. Um, it's what I love, you know, about my partner, about my friends, about the people in this world that I really, that have touched my heart and continue to touch my heart are those things about them that are human, that are messy. And so how this work might look in a relationship, and I'm sure you have other ideas and many of you out there have other ideas, but how this continually works and continues to strengthen my relationship and I want to inspire you with and bring to you is that we can continue to be 100% transparent and honest with the people in our lives about, or at least the close people. We can start there, right? And we can expand to a wider circle, but we can be 100% honest about those parts of us that we're not really sure about that scare us. And I know that sound that might potentially sound like the most terrifying thing in the world, but let me just say that, you know, this happens to me frequently. I'll be, you know, sitting in, in the house with my partner and I'll start to have these thoughts that, you know, fear thoughts, thoughts of, oh my God, what if, um, he, you know, starts falling in love with someone else? Or what if I am not good enough for this relationship? Or what if, the, you know, this part of me comes up? Or what if, what if I, you know, become so lazy that all I want to do is sit on the couch for the rest of my life and I never, um, you know, I never kind of pull my weight? These parts come up and whether there's something that happened in the day that triggered this feeling or it's just, you know, some deep-rooted feeling and I don't know what triggered it, but it's a pattern that comes up over and over. 
if I keep it, you know, my, my first instinct that comes from my conditioning and what I've done over and over again is to try and hide that part. And on the surface, to try and just continue everything like normal, right? Because you have a flow with that other person, be it your partner or your friend or your child or your parent, you have a flow and you don't want to disrupt things. However, when we choose to silence that part of ourselves, my experience is that it grows and it gains momentum, it gains power, it snowballs and then eventually seeps out in a destructive way and it undermines trust, importantly. However, when we choose to do something radical, which is to make that part of ourselves visible, to make ourselves visible in all of our different states to another human, when we choose to do that, then what happens is something miraculous, and that is connection. Because I guarantee you that that other human experiences these very same kinds of things. They might not be exactly the same thing, but they're the same flavor. They have a flavor of shame, of guilt, of not really knowing if they're going to be loved, if this is a part of them. And the only thing that really remedies that is by getting it out in the open and learning that you are still loved. Now, you might ask, what if I don't have someone in my life that I feel would still love me if they knew who I truly was? Well, first of all, I'm going to challenge you there because chances are there's someone in your life. And it could be someone that you've only ever shared a couple of words with, but that there's some kind of rapport there's a warmth there and you know that if you sit with them if you you know if you sit with them for a few moments and just say can I share something with you you know I have this thing that happens to me and and you know I, I'd love to share it with somebody I don't really have anyone to talk about it with and and I feel lonely even that amount of vulnerability saying that you feel lonely around this is a connecting point and will draw you closer to the other person. And chances are, honestly, they're going to be enthralled. They're going to be enthralled and they're going to be touched deeply by what you're sharing with them because it's a gift that you're giving. It's a gift of showing your true self and thereby allowing them to show their true self. Because I guarantee you, if you show vulnerability, if you show that piece of yourself that you think you will never be loved for, that is an act of courage that will inspire the other person that you are sitting with. And so, um, so that's, you know, the, the first part is just, I wanted to challenge you on that. I get, I bet there's somebody, you know, maybe a janitor in the building that you work at or someone else in your office um, somebody that you just feel safe with. And the other thing is, if you really don't feel safe to start there, then start with yourself. Start by just taking a few more minutes before binging or, you know, binge shopping or binge watching or whatever it is that you do to go away, to move away from the feelings 
to move away from facing directly that part of you that is calling to you. Whatever you do, um, take a few minutes longer to not do that thing and to just sit with the feeling itself, the raw instinct and longing and call and craving to, um, to binge or whatever it may be. Sit with it. Listen to it deeply. And listening, listen does not mean come up with a manufactured answer. It means just sit, just be. It might be very, very frightening at first. Notice how facing ourselves can be so much more frightening than the most terrifying things that we can think of that can happen in the outside world. It can be so, so daunting that repeatedly we run away from it. So again, um, the recommendation is to stay and I'll give you, you know, I'll give you this in kind of three steps because sometimes our minds like that kind of format better. But I just want to say one thing before I go there, which is when we shine the light of awareness on something, on any aspect of our lives, that begins to change. It begins to organically create a process of change. Now, it might not happen as quickly as we want it to change, and it might not happen. It likely will not happen as quickly as if we say, okay, I'm turning this off. I am just kind of militaristically going to go into a uh, a new pattern. However, we know because many of us have done this, you know, cereal dieting, yo-yo dieting, things like that. We know that that doesn't really work in the long term. So if we want to do, if we want a long-term solution, we have got to do the real work. The shortcut is actually, as Seth Godin says, the shortcut is actually the long way. The long way is the shortcut. Um, take the time, be with the process, and know that ultimately it will be resolved, but that taking every step of the way there is going to make you that much more integrated. So shining the light of awareness, and what, what I mean is, you know, when we start a habit like binging, likely when you began that habit, it was pretty unconscious. You just did it as a way to cope. And it sort of served you. It was a crutch, and crutches are a good thing. I'm glad that they exist in this world, because when I broke my ankle, it would have been a lot harder to live life if crutches didn't exist. And now I'm healed. I don't ever need the crutches. You know, at least now I don't. And, um, and you know, I use them as long as they were necessary. So when you created the binging habit or somebody that picks up smoking or drinking, um, when it's created, it's created out of desperation. It's created because we need something to cope in those moments. Life is painful. Life is hard. And we really honestly feel like we can't do it alone. And, um, and they work for us for a while. It's kind of a skewed way of looking at it in a way. But think about it. They really, they really do help us uh, sometimes to stay on this earth, those, those addictions, those coping mechanisms. 
However, once we become conscious of them and start to see them as a problem, this is already a hint and a clue to us that we're ready to start letting go of them. And um, it doesn't mean that we're ready to let go right now, right? Just like when the x-ray started to look better on my ankle, it didn't mean that I was ready to put the crutches down right away. You know, when I was just because I was tired of walking on crutches, I wanted so badly to just walk normally. It didn't mean that I was ready to come off of them and be in a totally healed state. But what it does mean is that you can shine the light of awareness. And shining the light of awareness means that when these feelings, these cravings come up, more and more you can investigate instead of checking out and just kind of autopilot doing the behavior, you can sit with it, you can breathe into it a bit, and even if you start to binge, you can binge consciously. You can be with the binge every single moment, every bite. Enjoy it in your mouth. Enjoy it as it, you know, as it floods your brain with dopamine, as it gives you all those good feelings. Sit with it. Notice what's happening so that you know the ins and outs of yourself and your own process. And I promise you that things will begin to organically change. This is what April Lyons was talking about, I believe, when she was saying, eat what you want when you want it. When we give ourselves that trust, that part of us, you can imagine that part of you that's binging, at least it starts to feel loved more so than if we're trying to just... um, hide it in the shadows completely. And why does it work to shine the the light of awareness on our patterns? It works because when we shine the light of of awareness, what we are doing is touching those parts of ourselves with pure intelligence, which is what you are. You are pure intelligence. You didn't make yourself. You, you know, you, you come from something that's much more sophisticated than we can even imagine. Imagine all the processes that happen in your body that keep you alive, that keep you working. It's unfathomable. It's, you know, such, such deep, profound intelligence. And whenever you put your attention on something, you are bringing that intelligence to that thing. And there is no way that it won't ultimately change. So whether it be the fact that you want to create a romantic partnership in your life, create the business of your dreams or the work, the career of your dreams, whether you want to learn how to manage money, whatever it is in your life, um, you know, you want a cleaner house more consistently, whatever it is in your life that you want to create, the first step is always to bring attention to it. Uh Uh-huh. You can notice, I want to change this. And then the process starts to occur. It doesn't mean we don't ever have to do anything about it. We certainly do. But sometimes we start to feel in this process like the doing is doing itself. And um, we can do a whole other podcast on this. but, But the idea is first step is shine the light of awareness. And guess what? By listening to the podcast, you're doing that by... Um, going to the website, curbthebinge.com, reading the blogs by interacting with the Curb the Binge Facebook page or the private secret Facebook group, 
Um, if you want to be a part of that, if you're not already, email me, info at curbthebinge.com. Just say, I want to be part of the secret Facebook group, and I will add you to the list. I'll, I'll email you an invite, or I'll send you an invite. Um, by doing those things, you are shining the light of awareness. You're bringing intelligence to this part of yourself, and you are um, thereby creating a shift. So let me break this down into the three steps. Um, there's much more just in, in the podcast that happened already. But if you want just kind of a manageable piece or something to put on your fridge or, or a sticky note um, by your bed or whatever it is, number one is just to notice the parts of yourself that feel incongruent, that feel like they're not really quite aligned with the rest of yourself um, those are the parts that we often judge or repress. So notice them first. That's that shining the light of awareness piece. And number two, here's the suggestion is see if you can first write about them. I have, you know, simple as I have this hunger that I don't understand. I have, I have hunger, I have tremendous hunger or I have tremendous judgment within myself, or I have tremendous anger, I have tremendous um, power thirst, whatever it is, selfishness, whatever it is that you've been pushing aside, to write about it first. And remember that it's a part of you. It's not you. It's a part. Um, and, and then if possible, to talk about it. And talking about it dispels the shame and the, the guilt and the blaming of oneself. When we get it out in the open, just like a nightmare um, in the morning, when we say it, when we speak it, it discharges that energy. So number one, notice those parts of yourself. Number two, see if you can write about them. And then if possible, talk about them with somebody. Um, and number three is to make friends, acknowledge that this part of you needs love and send love there. So you can actually do a little meditation. You can sit right now with your feet, if you're sitting in a chair, your feet touching the floor and your hands on your thighs. You can have your palms up or down, whatever feels better. One of those will feel better than the other, um, more appropriate to right now. So choose either palms up or palms down. You can also sit cross-legged on a cushion or some blankets. Let your eyes close and just go deeply into your sensation of your own body. Start to breathe slowly in and out through your nose. And bring yourself all the way in. There's a whole world in there. Allow yourself to, to just sort of make contact. And then imagine that there's a light that you can shine into your own being, into different parts of yourself. You can imagine this as just a, a regular kind of golden light 
um, not regular, but, but just, you know, a golden light. Simple is what I mean, simple. And go into any places. Notice if there are any places of pain or tension or holding. Go right in there and shine that bright light into that place. And with that bright light, bring the energy of love, the energy of love itself. If it's hard for you to access what love itself feels like, think of something or someone in the world that you love. Maybe it's an animal, a pet, a stuffed animal, whatever it is in life that you love. Cultivate that feeling and then join it with that golden light and bring that feeling deep into any parts of yourself that feel hurt, that feel unheard, that feel silenced. Just stay with that for a few moments. And then slowly you can just begin to open your eyes, but leave that, you know, maybe 15, maybe 20% of your awareness in your body, in those spaces, sort of leaving them with the feeling that you're not completely going away. That part of you is still internally focused and holding their hand as they heal. So that's step number three, and that's making friends or what I was calling earlier in the podcast, connection. Connection before trying to discipline or culture those parts of ourselves. So stay with that. Write a comment at the bottom of the podcast if it touched you, um, if you, if you feel called to do so. And I will see you in the secret Facebook group or around the site or around the universe. Enjoy and yeah, enjoy, enjoy the journey more than anything. Much love.